0: welcome to the community safety consultancy podcast in this podcast we aim to give you information on community safety topics to help you understand different areas of community safety and give you ideas on best practice and an insight into our experience and knowledge around the community safety agenda so who are we is well i'm suzanne and i work i've worked in the community safety um arena for about nearly 15 years and i'm working with lucy who will just introduce herself
1: Hi everyone, I'm Lucy Macready. I work with Suzanne, um, and similarly, been working in community safety arena for well since 2004, so a long time.
0: Thank you. Our last podcast covered our local approach to Marek in Somerset and our experience of the MARAC which is a multi-agency risk assessment conferences for domestic abuse victims. And today, we'll talk more about some of the challenges that we've come across. So. First of all, I'll hand over to Lucy. You can talk a bit more about some of the key challenges that we've found.
1: Thanks, Suzanne. So I think um, the first thing I would probably pick out um, is around professional judgment. Um, So as you can imagine, having a vast number of agencies referring into MARAC, there needs to be a robust process for identifying the level of risk making sure that it's an appropriate referral and then getting it into our services. I think um, what we've always um, really found important is for agencies and practitioners to understand how to identify what is an appropriate level of risk for MATRC, but also how professional judgment overrides any particular score. So for those of you that are aware of our processes for identifying domestic abuse, one of the first things you do is complete a dash, um, and which is a risk assessment tool, and it helps give you an idea of the level of risk your client, patient, or um, victim is, is uh, experiencing. So on doing that assessment, you might find that that person is scoring kind of quite a low level of risk, but actually in your professional judgment, you think that, that that's not correct. Um, and it's that professional judgment that we really value because it's that spidey sense, it's that fear of actually, I, I'm, I'm really, I, there's other things in this victim's history or the context that, that I find is creating more of a risk for that person. So we always advocate for professional judgment as long as it's clearly evidenced on that referral form. I think one of the things that we've found in Somerset is that there's not a, a consistent approach to professional judgment. So while somebody might find that, they want to use that and apply that professional judgment. They're not evidencing it clearly. So when that referral then comes through to our services or they, where MARAC is coordinated, it's really difficult to either understand why that um, referral has come through at that level. Um, and then it's it's quite difficult to know really what to do with that, because if you send it back to the professional who... Authored that referral, it's then a delay in getting support to that victim. So it can be a really difficult thing. So I think that's one of the main challenges that I would say we've come across when we've been trying to improve our services and our pathways. Um, what do you think, Suzanne? have you found Are you thinking on the same lines there?
0: Yeah, I think it's. I think because it's subjective. I think any kind of assessment is subjective to a certain degree, even if you're doing on a score basis, so ticking number of boxes. At, Some you might have questions against a box and ticking it. I think that's that's going to be subjective to a degree, um, in terms of how people ask the question and what information they get back. But certainly, professional judgment is very subjective. Um, and I think it's something that, um, up to point, it's through your experience and just being immersed in a topic and domestically, specifically, specifically, and really understand the dynamics and what Mm -hmm. someone's saying and not saying. And it's how you ask the question and where you're asking it as well. So in terms of the setting, you're actually speaking to a victim, and who they're with—if they're with anybody else—that will impact on the replies they give to you. So it's understanding the barriers that people will face in talking to you, in as to what information you're going to get back. So that I think professional judgment is um, something that yeah, people need to clearly evidence it absolutely as professionals, but they need to be asking in the speaking to people in the right context, having that conversation with the victim as well, don't they?
1: I think yeah. that's a big thing. It goes back to, you know, we've been talking um, together about the the implications from the Domestic Abuse Act. And in Section 4, it talks about um, taking account of different characteristics and that kind of multiple vulnerability and that complexity that comes with pretty much every person you come across. There's no normal person. Everyone's got something that adds to their level of vulnerability. Um, and I think that's really important to think about because those added needs and added things so race gender sexuality religion um disability mental health you know all of those types of things all accumulate and it doesn't necessarily come out clearly on a dash because the dash is very much about the abuse but if you know that person you know that they've got added vulnerabilities that can sometimes add to your professional judgment
0: yeah absolutely i think it's a really yeah it's a it's something you need to um really understand the topic and and widely so not just going on a short training course i think to understand mm. domestic abuse it does require i think it's such a complicated area that people if as much as victims normalize domestic abuse it can, it can be a reason why people don't come forward so they've normalized it actually professionals can inadvertently be normalizing what they're seeing as well it's about challenging mm. your own thinking isn't it as well as I think as well as um other people's to a degree
1: yeah absolutely Um,
0: So what um, other challenges do you think we've faced in um, developing the MARAC process?
1: I think um, partnership buy-in is is a big thing and the commitment to MARAC. So MARAC isn't a statutory duty that we haven't, it's not stipulated in legislation. It's seen as best practice nationally, certainly, um, but it isn't statutory. And quite often, and particularly at these times where, we, we are all under the cost for, you know, the amount of demand on services, how busy everybody is, the amount of, you know, cases that staff will hold. You know, everything is so busy at this at this moment. Um, quite often agencies and staff are told, you know, prioritise, 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 and ultimately things that are statutory will override anything that isn't. And Marek's kind of suffered from a bit of that. Um, so in implementing our new model, What it ultimately required was additional buy-in, really, from individual agencies because we're asking them or requiring them to actually take responsibility more so than they did before. Um, And it's not because that's new, it's because it wasn't happening in the first place. So some agencies were finding actually that, yes, we're creating a new model that is more robust, um, but for them, for individual staff members, it meant for them they were spending more time on Marek, at least to start with. So, getting people to buy into that new model is is could, was really quite tricky for some. Um, so, I think classic examples would be uh, the police, um, and also um, social care, because they are the you know very very busy, high demand, but also quite a lot of pressure on them to perform. Um, so I think in terms of what we did um, that worked was saying to our partner agencies, actually, yes, we are requiring you to invest in a bit more into Marek in terms of time. Um, but what we will do is provide you with ongoing training and kind of give, offer more commitment for them as well in terms of personal development and trying to bring them on the journey with us rather than just saying actually we can change the model and you're gonna just do more it we couldn't do we couldn't work like that i think the other thing that has helped us along as well is having a dedicated person in our team that that's been coordinating a lot of this activity so there was always a go-to person if, if individual agencies or partners felt that they needed to challenge or they needed to query um, or learn more um, so we've set up ongoing training we've Done a lot of onboarding work with with our Marac reps um because ultimately if they don't understand what Marac is and why they're there the Marac itself isn't going to be effective so it will then create a break in the system so that awareness and training was absolutely pivotal but yeah i think buy-in was is and it will continuously be tricky um because staff turnover changes in in individual agencies' agendas, you know, there'll always be challenges in that. And it's part of partnership working. I think it's just being able to be vid- vigilant and kind of be on it all the time and helping to reassure people that ultimately we're all here to do the same thing, which is to keep people safe. Um, and we just need to overcome that together. Yeah, I think one of
0: the things that you worked on, was it, was working at a strategic level, so taking it to the statutory, what statutory partnerships there are, so the community safety partnership, and getting them to buy into it. So I think that's um obviously it is um there's many layers to an organization isn't it so but you do need to work through the top with something that um to get that buy in the commitment. And I think though people were really keen to they could see it wasn't working was it? I think that's a key thing we were able to clearly show partner agencies why things weren't working. So and that was clearly evidence which helps to some degree in terms of then offering them a solution to move forward. Oh. Definitely um, was there any other challenges? Do you think I think about delays in the case management system? Something else we were thinking about, wasn't it? Mm. Um, yeah, I think if I just talk briefly on that, I mean, please come in. Um, yeah, we obviously procured a new case management system to help support the new merit um, process, and that has there were some delays in implementing that. And I think it's fair to say anybody who's been involved in developing a new implementing a new IT system, there will be some. Um, potential delays to to that um particularly when it involves lots of partner agencies it's not a single agency um going to be using the system obviously America by nature is um many core agencies plus other agencies who do get involved so being able to um organize training and getting the right personnel to be involved in actually learning the system and getting that all in place took quite a long time because I think people were quite um Agencies could be reluctant to commit staff to having the time to learn a new system, mm. amongst their other busy day jobs. So certainly, that's something that's just in terms of getting the partner agencies understanding um, what we were doing and mm. what time, giving them time scales to do it. So that was um, a clear factor, and getting clear, clarity from the um, IT company as well.
1: Yeah, definitely,
0: definitely. Yeah, is okay. there any other challenges? Do you think that's the main ones I think we were That's think? the
1: main ones, really.
0: Um, so, in terms of lessons, we, um, we've talked about training, haven't we? So, um, continuous training is important. So, investment not only financially in terms of organising training if an external speakers are required, but also just the investment in staff being allowed the time to go attend training.
1: Um, yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, I, I think it's. Uh, it's about demonstrating that the positives as well as you know continuous training is is really tricky because it does again require that commitment doesn't it of, of your partners um but it but it's in terms of that profession is selling it How, what is the narrative what is the story we're trying to bring them along on and where do you want to get to so if we can say actually this is a positive for you not just now but in the long run as well um and sharing that then as well with their colleagues as well and saying actually i'm part of this process it's now quite a big part of my job in fact but actually this look at what we're doing um and what i hope is that we can start obviously this is a new process but um, through the domestic abuse board we'll be monitoring and tracking the data and then and hopefully we can start to see how this new model is bearing fruit and have some really good conversations at that strategic level as well and share that across strategic partners as well because ultimately if we can get other managers and strategic managers and leaders to see what we're doing and see the difference that in turn will then help future buy-in in in terms of bringing partners along with us if if their leaders are saying actually this works and they're developing
0: a culture isn't it because if the culture Um, is actually we have invested in this um both at all different levels and and the whole culture is actually Mark is a really good thing to do and it is really beneficial and this is what you get out of it as an agency, as an individual. Then as people do change jobs, people do leave and new people come in, they'll know the culture is actually we want to support domestic abuse victims. Mark is a great way to do it. And in Somerset, we're doing it this way, which is working really well. And we try trying to make it time, not, not spend as much time as possible. It's going to be quite um, time efficient, but we're still going to be a time element to it, but you're getting all this um, training and development as well. So... It helps to bring people along, doesn't it? If they can clearly see mm. what well, the culture is yeah. a really positive one, um, mm-hmm. assuring, assuring the people that other stakeholders are the boards as well, isn't it? Demonstrating the positives about it, um, it's all linked, interlinked together, aren't they?
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah, so where are we now with Marek? Um, in a summary, would you say?
1: Well, I think, as you said, there, there have been delays in, in the case management systems, so that's still ongoing so um it's not fully embedded as a new model um but i think what we have seen is a that start of that culture change i think we are seeing that which is great um people are on board people across different agencies are seeing that there is a difference in the quality of those maric meetings and i think if we go back um even a year ago the amount of uh practitioners who are really kind of disengaged because of the fact that they would they would be committed, but then they would attend the meeting and it just wasn't an effective conversation because the processes weren't right. The, the people that were at the meeting weren't the right people, the the level of um the 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 rigour I guess around the, the conversation wasn't there, the chair wasn't effective enough, you know, all those things that create a good conversation just wasn't there. Um, and I think we've now got those building blocks in place. It's just getting it kind of more embedded and more automatic. Like anything, if you do it more and more, it becomes more automatic, it, beca- it becomes embedded, it becomes part of this process. Um, and then it will also become quicker. Because um, we, we know that looking at the data, um, if you compare pre numeric in some set to, to now, the, the meetings are quicker. Um, We've had some ups and downs in that, some influxes of, you know, case demand and things like that. But generally those meetings are becoming shorter. We've got less meetings as well across Somerset. So you've got less people needing to attend lots of different meetings. So there have been some quick wins and things that people are seeing already. Um, But I think there is, we'll soon start seeing that more systematic improvement. And I think that's the key in terms of getting people to really understand the differences that we're making
0: yeah absolutely so hopefully our listeners have found this conversation useful understanding a bit more about the challenges we've faced um in implementing the numeric process in Somerset and some of our key lessons um so what should we talk about next in our next podcast
1: I wonder whether um, commissioning services would be useful Um, Obviously, in both our roles we do particularly you Suzanne do a lot of commissioning work um, and also contract management as well. I think one of the things um, that we've done is embed MARAC into our commission service um, and that was a step change that we decided to make to to create that systematic change. So there's a lot of work that we've commissioned over the years. um, So I'm sure that there'll be lots for us to talk about then.
0: Definitely. Thank you um, to everybody who's listened to this podcast. If you'd like more information on our consultancy, uh, please visit the website at communitysafetyconsultancy.co.uk and you can follow us on LinkedIn too. um, And we'll see you or speak to you again soon.